Are you ready? Now back to Heatwave Sports. And we'll start Hour 2, where we left off in Hour 1, Major League Baseball, as we begin Week 3 of the season. And we're going to look at the AL Central. If you missed out on any of the other divisions, you can always go back and listen to the show over at LV Sports Network or iTunes. We're at iTunes. Just search Heatwave Sports. We're on there. And DeMond puts those shows up literally right after our shows end on the weekend, so you'll be able to research that and find out our thoughts on some of the other divisions. But, Tom, we'll move into the AL Central with the Cleveland Indians by virtue of beating up on the Tigers are now 5-3 and three in first place there in that division. Yeah, again, you know, the Indians are, are going to a lot of – look, Indians, Minnesota, Chicago are going to take advantage of uh, Detroit, and even the Royals are going to take advantage of Detroit all year long. I think that the Indians, you know, look, it's tough to write them off completely, even though I did as well. It's hard to just completely write them off when you have a potential MVP who is playing like one in Jose Ramirez, and you have a, a very potential Cy Young Award winner in Shane Bieber. And then you have a back end of the bullpen with Klaas and uh, Karnacek and Wickren, who I like. I mean, it's hard to write them off. I just don't expect big things from this team. AC four and three thoughts on the Royals. You know, I kind of put them in there with the Indians right there in the middle division and they're not in the playoffs. So they're just, they're just kind of there. And if they could get there, if their pitching grew up quick, they could be a thorn in someone's side. I mean, they really have a lot of talent and it's going to be a shame because when they start getting good Whit Merrifield is going to kind of be over uh, a little over the age, you know, I like that fact that they, they're pushing Kyle Isbell. Comes up, he looks fantastic. They have a lot of good draft picks coming up. And for those that don't know, you know, the Daniel Lynches of the world and the Brady Singers of the world, they have arms coming up as well. Uh, AC, I, I mean, uh, this is a team um, that really is going to be dangerous in two or three years. Could it all come together for them? Sure, it could. I just don't think it will. But isn't that the royal way, Tom? Didn't they do that in one World Series? And this is I kind like of the, the, uh, I like we talk the about they're building this. The you know, my only the regret been is that Whit Merrifield, by the time they're good, Whit Merrifield's going to kind of be just way too old. And his game, it doesn't translate into an older guy game. About Detroit, three and six. Do we, do we kind of just classify them with Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Texas? Yeah, I mean, it's a race to see who's going to be the worst in that. In that. <laughs> grouping there. I I think that Detroit, um, you know, has done really good things. I'm a big fan of Riley Green down in the minor league system. Torkelson looks good. Now they got Badu. I mean, they have some things. Look at their starting pitching with Dunning and Mize. They had to scoobble. Let them get out of their growing pains now because Detroit, it will not be a laughing stock for a long time. And look, worst case scenario, they get another uh, one or two picks. You look at a Kumar Rocker or a, a lighter you put a light, let's just say they get a lighter. Lighter, Mize, Dunning, Scooble, uh, with, with Torkelson and uh, Riley Green in the lineup. I mean, whoa, all of a sudden, Detroit is a player. Minnesota 5-4. and four. They're, they're a wild card team for me, Tom. And, uh, and, you know, it's a situation where we just talked about possibly what they could do at a trade deadline, but they're going to have to get to that situation. Can the pitching hold up in Minnesota? 
every year I don't think that the pitching can hold up to him, and every year they get in because of the benefit of such a weak division. I think that the division's a little bit better this year, but I'm still very concerned. I'm concerned of, of Maida. Berrios has been okay. Then you got Pineda and Hap and Shoemaker. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned with their pitching, but every year they can't seem to slug their way into it. So I can't write them off. But every year they get beaten in the first round by the Yankees or whoever the, the power team is in the American League. Yeah, they're not going to do anything big. I mean, they're not going to be anything this year, or just like they are every year, because you cannot win in this league without an ace. The Yankees learned it the hard way. They went absolutely crazy to go get Garrett Cole. Minnesota has still not learned it. They think they're throwing out Kende Mayida uh, and Jose Barrios and hoping that these guys are ones. They're very good twos, very good twos. But you need that one. You know, in a short series, you've got to face Derek Cole. You know, in a short series... You got to go up against, uh, you know, a Zach Ranky, even at his age. In a short series, you got to go up against, uh, you know, the aces of, of aces, and that's the problem with this team is that year after year they just don't have that guy. And it takes us to Chicago. So Tom, Chicago is the talk of the town. We both have them winning the division. They're four and five, four wins. Yet, uh, Brayu, the MVP, struggling. Robert, the, uh, the phenom struggling. Tim Anderson struggling. They're struggling hitting, but yet are only four and five. So pitching is uh, today kind of abandoned them late in the game. But uh, Lance Lynn's been money so far this season. Yeah, Lance Lynn's been money. He looks very, very good. He looks like the ace that, uh, you know, him and Giolito back-to-back. Oof, that is a tough one. And look, let's not overlook what they're doing in the back end of the bullpen. I mean, they have... Crochet looking really good here. Uh, even Dylan Cease, you know, looking good. This is a Chicago team. The more I watch them, the more impressed I am on their pitching side. Like you said, a one-two, bam, Cease becomes a three. Keiko becomes a four. Then you've got Hendricks and Bummer and Marshall and Crochet. Uh, and what about Michael Kopech? Man, he's striking out everybody. I mean, their bullpen is dominant. Here's the problem. You've called him a phenom. I watched Luis Robert take a ball off of the middle of his skull, right? I mean, that's what this team is. Eloy Jimenez is banged up. He's the other phenom. Tim Anderson, uh, Eloy Jimenez is probably out for the year. Tim Anderson's on the DL. Um, Nick Madrigal is yeah, struggling a little bit here. They're relying upon Yerman Mercedes to carry this offense. You can't rely upon that for too long here, Tim. So, so let's, uh, let's go back again, and, and now that we're looking at it, could you see in August Chris Bryant literally walk across town and join a White Sox team and, and DH for the rest of the summer? I just don't imagine that the Cubs would ever trade him to to the White Sox. I, I can't see it. You know, I don't care how much Moncada struggles. I just don't believe. I mean, Chicago could come in with a nice offer, man. They really could come in with a wow, blow me away kind of offer. Um, the White Sox have a decent little little farm system going on. Yeah, they do. But if I'm Chicago, I'm asking for double. Right? I mean, I never say I won't trade him to somebody. Okay. Uh, I'll trade you. But what I'm going to ask for, you know, you, you better start the conversation. If, if I'm the Cubs, I'm going, Hey, White Sox, you better start this conversation with Andrew Vaughn and Nick Madrigal. And then you're going to get laughed at. And then we move on to the next team. Tom, let's, uh, let's move subjects to 
the All-Star Game, which is going to be July 13th, be at Coors Field in Denver, home of the Rockies. So this happened about a week ago that Commissioner Manfred moved the game on April the 2nd. It was supposed to be played in, in the Braves Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. This has a, a political spin to it, so uh, give us your take on it. But basically, first of all, kind of outline what happened here, because they were talking about this in March, and then they made it official beginning of April. But talk us through how this happened and then what your thoughts on the whole situation are, because there's a lot of people. I, look, former Yankee pitcher David Wells says he won't even watch baseball anymore. He's so pissed off about it. So it's, it's upset a lot of people. Yeah, it's funny. That, that made national headlines. My buddy Pete... Uh, very, he was in my wedding party. You know, you you've met him. Um, yeah. He's the producer for the Brian Kilmeade show, and he told me about it as it was happening. He said, "Man, I, I want to tell you, David Wells is not watching baseball anymore. You got to hear the show today." And he told me about it before time, and then afterwards, some of their conversations I'm not privy to share on the air. Uh, and he said, "Man, it, you should hear what, what he's telling me. How many more guys feel exactly the same?" Um, you know, the, the term wokeness is getting thrown around, but it, but it really is. Baseball did what the NBA basically did, and that is shoot yourself in the foot for something that is absolutely idiotic and stupid. And I call it idiotic and stupid because it's unintelligent. It is the definition of the word stupid. I'm not calling them stupid. I'm calling the idea stupid. Um, they, what happened here is that Major League Baseball decided that because Georgia wants to protect their elections and the state of Georgia decided in the political venue to protect their elections that Major League Baseball doesn't want to be a part of it. Now, why I call this stupid and being misinformed is that they polled uh, people of all walks of life, of all colors, nationalities. 76% of all people either said that they strongly agree or agree with the new rules in Georgia. Besides that, though, Tim, what is baseball doing getting involved in politics? There's no reason for it. There's absolutely no reason for them to be involved in politics. In the history of baseball, you have never seen a, a, just a stance like this. In reaction to this, Texas said, we never want an all-star game again. Uh, the Texas governor, who is proving day in and day out, it's either him or the Florida governor, that they are the best governors in the country. Now they've turned their back to them. That's massive money that they're going to lose. And, and in doing this, Tim, Major League Baseball turned around and they put the players in a bad position because now the players are being asked about the Georgia situation. And it's not that they took a stance, Tim, based on anything logical. Because if you want to take a stance and say, look, we disagree with everything about Georgia. Well, David Wells said it, and, and many other people did. Then, okay, you, are you turning in your Augusta you know, membership there? commission because the commissioner is a member of Augusta. No, we just watched Augusta be uh, on the highlight of everything. You know, no, nobody ripped apart golf for being down there. Why? And, and listen, down there for golf, if you want to be, if anybody wants to talk about racism, that was, that was the place, right? Well, we just watched an Asian man win the golf tournament, this should be the highlight of, we should be celebrating that on a course like that, instead we're talking about baseball moving it. How about going there and putting this on display? How about going there and not taking the millions and millions of dollars 
out of a predominantly minority community in Atlanta and giving it to a minority, majority white community in Colorado. You're, you're not making a statement, Major League Baseball. All you're doing is hurting minority-owned businesses. And far too often, this country, Tim, gets way too involved with the color of your skin or your sexual identity to realize what you're really hurting is the same people. I don't look at people and go, oh, they're black or the white. I look at the people and I go, they're small businesses like me. They're trying to make it, man, like me. And after a COVID pandemic, Atlanta could have used the All-Star game massively, massively. Instead, the commissioner took it out of their hands and, and to make some sort of ridiculous statement. You know, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs that Major League Baseball is turning their back on logic, on reality, and getting involved in politics at all. There's just no reason to act on this. It, it wasn't a major situation. It wasn't a problem that the whole country was against. No. As a matter of fact, if you ask Georgia residents, 76% them said that they agreed with this. It is a, a political stance that didn't need to be taken. And unfortunately, I w- have already started to watch people walking away from the game. People walked away from the NBA that will never be back. The NBA shot themselves in the foot, uh, going down a notion of, of absolute ridiculousness and hypocrisy. And they'll never get fans back. Major League Baseball is going down the same path, the same situation. For every minute that we sat back and we said, hey, LeBron, you need to be quiet about this because you didn't speak up about China, is the same situation that we could say it now about Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball, you're, you're so adamant about not playing in Georgia, but you'll play and reach out to China, a dictatorship. You'll, you'll tell your players you're not allowed to be down in Atlanta and give money to small businesses. But the Atlanta Braves are playing a game tonight, oh, by the way, and my Augusta National Card, I'll be there watching this. It's the hypocrisy that really just drives people crazy, and it's the hypocrisy, Tim, that drives people away from the game. Yeah, and, and it's spearheaded by Manfred because he has power. In my opinion, it's a complete move on his part to make himself uh, stand out in some way. And I look at, you hit the nail on the head, you know, we talk about events, not necessarily, um, you know, big events. So All-Star Game, you look at it however you want, but it's a big event. The, the economic downturn that, that, that's coming out of this, all that money gone from the city of Atlanta. Look at WrestleMania was in Tampa this weekend, Tom. The amount of money that that brought into the city of Tampa is it's irreplaceable at points. So basically, Atlanta gets screwed here. And like you said, these small business owners that are looking for a bite, now they're not going to get that this summer. You know, we, we searched around and tried to ask how much do small business, how, how much will Atlanta really lose from you know, a, a monetary aspect? And the answer that I got from three different people uh, that are very more familiar with this than me, their political uh, uh, components and people that are in the uh, political writers down there, they all told me, you cannot measure it. You cannot measure it because we can't measure how much the tip that the hot dog guy would get. We can't measure how much the tip that the bartender would get. That, well, you know what? Let's be honest. In a real situation, then maybe she's not on the books, right? We, we can't tell you that waiter, the parking attendant, the guys that are getting paid in cash, guys selling, selling T-shirts outside the stadium, we can't tell you how many lives this will really, really damper. 
and I can only give you this and tell you that in my city, okay, in my state, um, we have hands down the worst governor in the country, and, and it's been proven. I've been saying it for, for 15 years, and you know, I feel like I've been saying it uh, forever, and we, it's been proven. Look, Cuomo's the worst, right? Um, he decided to close all bars for the pandemic the day before St. Patrick's Day, okay? That closed many bars because it's the biggest day of the year. This year, what he did was he decided to extend all the, t- the percentages, how many people he could have in it, extend everything in the bars and restaurants two days after St. Patrick's Day. Now, a lot of the Irish community feels, hey, you know what? We were threatened. We were, we were targeted. That's on a small scale, Tim. That's all I know. That, I'm giving you a component that I know. I can't even imagine suffering, being a small business, a restaurant, a bar, and suffering through all of the shutdowns, all of the lockdowns, all of the, the people that had their money tight on their fist and going, you know what, let's just make it to the All-Star game because think about the weekend we're going to have. I can pay my bills then. Let's put it off. And all of a sudden, Manfred comes in and rips it out of them. It, it's a disgusting. You have to have a black, cold, ice heart to take that money out of that city. And you, you're, if you agree with this in any capacity, you're an awful human being because you just made these people's lives so much worse because of your statement. You didn't even give them a year's notice, Tim. You, you gave a month. I mean, I, I was livid about what they're doing to small businesses because I'm in touch with the small business community. I have people calling me every single day, uh, you know, asking me, what do we do? How can we do this? I'm on advisory boards about small businesses. And, and Tim, it's disgusting. It's just a disgusting situation to watch how badly these, these people are going to get hurt. And they're people. It looks good on a stat sheet, right? It looks fine on a, on a, on a you know, a, a, a memo board or in a tweet and all this. It starts to affect real people. It's rough. I read, Tom, that this is an estimate that the All-Star Game weekend will bring in approximately anywhere between 150 to $190 million for the state of Colorado just for that weekend. Great. And that's not including, right, and that's not including, you know, the other things that, that people are using. That's, that's using buses and, and cabs. That's not including tips and, you know what I mean, and... Uh, extras and buying jerseys on the street and buying t-shirts and, buy, and parking it. it, it, it I, think it, I think that's low-balling it, Tim. And if it was that number, that's, that's alarming. And I think it's low-balling that number. Oh, the, the, the governor of Colorado is smiling from ear to ear right now, man. Oh, of course. Of course. A, a massively predominantly white, <laughs> you know, centric place with white businesses uh, is getting all the money that the minority businesses should have been getting. It's a terrible situation. It's terrible. And this is, you know, this is a place where I continue to say shooting yourself in the foot. People aren't stupid. They're not dumb. They know what just happened. People in Atlanta know. They know what just happened. And now they're going to be annoyed at Major League Baseball. And they're going to turn their TV off. Why? We're not watching TV. We're not watching baseball in this house. Why not? Man, Manfred took that money out of my pocket. They're not stupid. They're not gonna. You know, uh, they're not gonna be happy about this. So now you're gonna lose fans. You're gonna lose fans. You just 
felt like making a statement. A statement that, at the end of the day, Tim, it's not going to change any laws. It's not going to change any rules. The voting rights are still going through. Everything's going to be exactly the same. The only thing that's hurting are the people underneath you. And while Manfred steps up the ladder, he's stepping on people to get there. Now, Tommy, I know that the All-Star breaks one of your two days off for the year, so is this a situation where you're just going to blow it off and not even watch the game? You know, look, I, I, <laughs> I, heard, I would love to tell you, yeah, you know what, I'm boycotting the game. Ah, All-Star games mean nothing to me anyway, so I probably wasn't going to watch it anyway. That's always my, my little weekend because it's right around my birthday. This is going to be two days before my birthday. So probably wouldn't have paid much attention to it anyway. It, it will not be on in my house, I can tell you that. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Heat Wave Sports. We're going to take a timeout. We come back, we'll shift gears and move into some college basketball. Yes, the season is over. Baylor are your champions. We're going to talk about the coaching changes that have happened here in the uh, short offseason, including some huge names stepping down and being replaced some of the bigger name colleges across the country. Break it all down for you on the other side of the timeout. It's E-Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Hoops here in a second, but check this out, Tom Barton. Our colleague Chris Wynn, radio personality, will be joining me Tuesday night over at Las Vegas Ballpark. That's the home of the Las Vegas Aviators of the uh, Pacific Coast League, obviously the AAA team of the Oakland A's. But, Tom, we're going to be at the ballpark. 3,000 fans will be allowed in attendance to watch. UNLV baseball take on Arizona State. So you get a top 25, French top 25 team in the Sun Devils heading to Vegas to play the Rebels on a triple-A ball field. Kind of cool. I mean, you know, it's uh, for what's going on still with the openings of, of these venues and, and letting people in. We're, we're going to get to watch some college baseball, but it'll be nice to see Chris and get out there. And it's a beautiful ballpark, Tom. I can't wait till you do come back to Vegas so you can check it out. Yeah, listen, you know, the last time uh, you know, when we went there, you guys were there with the family. I, I want to check it out, man. You know, listen, a, a minor league game is very cool. I, I got to be honest with you. I know everybody likes I like the name. I like the kind of the design. I don't know about the uniforms, though. I got a quick look at the uniforms. I, I, I don't know. They, they're, they're, they're a little funky, right? I mean, I guess it's minor leagues and they're supposed to be funky, but they're a little funky. No, I agree there. I think it's that orange just throws it off a little bit, right? 
Yeah, it's the, it's the Mets look, I guess, right? Yeah, the orange is just, I don't know, it's a little weird. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, and, and here's the thing with the minor leagues. They start May 1st, Tom. So what's it going to be like in New York City with all the minor league teams out there? Are they even allowing fans to, to attend those games? Yeah, it's very uh, very limited here. Everything is, is kind of limited. Um, with every new allegation, we get more rights here in New York. So well, every woman that comes forward that, that Cuomo molested, we get more rights. And I'm not joking. I'm being dead serious. Uh, every time that there's somebody here, he throws a press conference, you go, okay, he's going to address the fact that he's uh, touching people uh, not, not a good way, allegedly, right? And he goes, no, 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 we're going to open up more. Uh, the last time that, that the women came forward and gave her full briefing uh, was when we got 11,000 people to come into Yankee Stadium. So um, who knows what, how much more we're going to open up and how quickly. Uh, by the yeah. way, not that we want to belabor the point, but somebody just wrote me over on Twitter, at Tom Barton Sports, and said, what changed in the, the Georgia laws? Just real quick, I just want to go over it because this is not an opinion here. Um, so early voting is going to expand. That's, uh, there's nine things that basically change. Early voting is going to be expanded. ID is now required for in-person and mail-in voting. Uh, absentee voting, so you have to have a regulated drop box now. They can't just kind of literally vote out of an RV. Um, food and drink has to be distributed by uh, water stands and self-service. So they can't say, hey, you know what, come and vote for me and I'll give you a free sandwich. Um, you know, free, here, oh, oh, you want some Gatorade here? Well, make sure you vote. Um, in-person voting is going to be uh, a, a bigger thing to cut down on lines. Um, new powers by state election officials. Results are going to be reported faster. Uh, a hotline has been set up for complaints about uh, voter intimidation and illegal activity. And runoff election period will be five weeks shorter. So basically what it is is they want us to make sure that um, the things that were implemented because of, of covid don't become the norm down there, uh, that things are going to be expedited. We want the results quicker. We want counting to be quicker. We want it to be more efficient. So if there's a problem, hey, we have a hotline. Don't worry about it. It's all just to secure the election, to make sure everything runs on the up and up for, for everybody, for every color, every creed, every age, every demographic. Could be the Republicans, could be the Democrats. Um, it, this is just for secure elections. You cannot be an American and be against what they're doing down there. But Tom, from a, from a sporting point of view, this is purely an agenda on Manfred's part. It has nothing? It does not help Major League Baseball whatsoever. Oh, it hurts them. It hurts them because people are annoyed. And you know what? It, it it's just not going to change anything. Yeah, you know, it, it's just not. Don't get involved in politics, Major League Baseball. It does didn't work out well for the NBA, and traditionally hasn't worked out. And I'm not even talking in America. You know, soccer clubs have said things in both. It just doesn't work out well. At the end of the day, it doesn't go well for your bottom line and your fan base. And I don't care if I'm on one side or the other side. You know, it, why, why dip your toe into the water to kind of alienate half of your fan base, at, at least half your fan base, going down a road where, at the end of the day, this is a political forum. This is not <laughs> where we should be talking about sports. You know? But I say the same thing about, about, you know, about anything about athletes, about this, about that. You know, if somebody wants to guide you into it, you want to be an activist, that's great. Look, do it. Be an activist. But try not to combine one with the other. 
You know, if you're giving a post-game press conference about a game, I don't want to hear your political opinion. You want to do that on your own side? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not one of these shut-up-and-dribble type of people, right? Go do do what you want to do, but just don't let it infiltrate the game itself. Major League Baseball, let it infiltrate the game itself. It, it's going to hurt baseball. This is going to hurt Major League Baseball, and it's going to hurt their, their wallet. And we're in a position where guys are losing jobs because, you know what, they didn't have ballparks filled. And Major League Baseball needs the in-person attendance. Now, if anyone's on the fence, you know what? And I'm a little on the fence about the whole COVID thing. I'm not going to come to the stadium. Now people are going, yeah, I'm definitely not coming to the stadium. But why would I give them my money? They're just going to get hurt in the wallet. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's terrible because it's a game that I love to see. Why would they go down this road and just be anti-American? I mean, and that's really what the way that people are looking at this is that we want secure elections. We want to make sure everybody is, is on the up and up. We want the results faster. We want you know, hotlines to make sure that, that there is no bad, you know, intimidation going on. Why is this a bad thing? Tom, when uh, <clears throat> we did our, our NCAA preview show for the tournament, Baylor was the agreed-upon least of the top seeds that we figured would, would end up hoisting the trophy, but they did it. Just a quick recap on Baylor winning the national title. We weren't on that week after that they did win, but they knocked out Gonzaga and in the Cinderella season. Tim, one of my best bets, I give a best bet out uh, at the beginning of, of every week at Sports Garden Network, you know, on my want to bet show. And my best bet before the tournament was Gonzaga's not winning the tournament. Okay, that was my best bet. I love the fact that Gonzaga wasn't going to win. But Tim, I was totally wrong the night of, because I thought once they got to the championship, there's no way they were losing that game, right? I thought they'd get picked off along the way somewhere. Um, you just have to give a lot of credit to Baylor. I mean, they came out. It wasn't a game, Tim. They came out in the first five minutes, and they won the game in the first five minutes. They came out more intense, more hungry, and maybe the long season got to Gonzaga. Maybe it was the ghosts of Indiana, right? Maybe it was a lot of maybes. I'm not giving it any of that. I'm not, I don't even want to talk about Gonzaga when I just say, man, Baylor was phenomenal for that night. For the tournament, listen, I, 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 don't think they lost a, I don't think they won a game by less than nine points. They were dominant throughout. But that night was one of the well, most well-played, crispest games I've ever seen a basketball team play. I don't think they made a mistake. I mean, that's how I'm going to remember the game. When we go back, obviously, I could look at little turnovers and things like that. But if I go back and somebody asks me 10 years from now, what was that game like? Baylor played the most crisp, perfect game I've ever seen a basketball team play. That's how it felt. And it felt like that in the first five, six minutes. I said, this game's over. This game's over. There's, there's no way Gonzaga's just not here. And it wasn't that Gonzaga came out flat, which I'm sure they did a little bit. It was just Baylor was just so on point. Well, since then, you talk about some, some uh, openings in the college basketball head coaching landscape. We had a bunch of them, and most are filled now. There's one open right now. We'll get to that in a second, but... Um, let's just kind of look at some of the changes that have made since the final game was played. We'll start with uh, a blue blood here in North Carolina. Roy Williams calls it calls it a career. Uh, he had a hell of a, a career as a head coach of Kansas in North Carolina. He steps down. Uh, his his top assistant for the past almost decade, Hubert Davis, takes over there. So they keep it in the family there with the Tar Heels. Yeah, you know this is uh, it was a lot of speculation on this, and obviously I used to live in the Triangle. Uh, I know a lot of people down there. I, 
the, the night that it happened, I wrote uh, my buddy Andy Bagwell. Andy Bagwell, he was featured on the I Hate Christian Leitner. He's, a, he's an author, the uh, Duke Sucks book. And uh, I wound up having him on the show this morning about it. And the minute it happened, I said, what, you know, was I missing something? Because sometimes I go, you know, was I missing? Uh, was this kind of known? And he said, no, this is, this is a little bit of a shock. And when I kind of dug in deeper, it was more of, well, we all knew he wasn't last year. Roy wasn't sticking around for another five, ten years. But nobody knew it was coming down. That's a hard secret to hide. If you're Roy Williams, that's a hard secret to hide. Um, then we started speculating. I said, oh, maybe Porter Moser will go there. Maybe this. Oh, who, who could it possibly be? Who's the guy? Right? You always throw it around. Who's going to be the guy? Even right now, Coach K is still there. Who's going to be the guy to replace him? You, you have this conversation for years. And Davis was kind of the guy that everybody thought he was going to be. And he is, by all accounts, just the nicest human being on earth. I mean, people rave about this guy being so nice and so great. Now, his coaching ability, we don't know. We truly don't know. I will say this. I worry about, and a lot of the North Carolina alumni are not worried, but I am. I worry about the recruiting. I think recruiting is harder now than ever for the Blue Bloods uh, because you don't have to say, look, you're going to be on TV. Yeah, I know that because we have Internet and everybody can see me anyway. Well, look at Osmos, right, from Oral Roberts. I think that's, a, that's going to be a determining factor. Now, Roy Williams used to not have to leave his couch, Tim, and he would get the number one prospect in the country. I mean, this is just the way that it was. Now, Davis is going to have to do a little bit of work. It helps that he's a North Carolina guy. Um, it does help. And it helps that North Carolina is still a name, but... I don't think it's the name that it once was. They don't have a lot of pro athletes right now that are tearing it up in the NBA. The days of Jordan are a little bit gone. So I think North Carolina is going to take a step back here. Um, I don't think it's going to be this monumental, they're going to fall off the cliff kind of step back. But you look at the ACC, and you have the new bloods against the blue bloods. That's been the thing. I think Duke comes back strong this year. Florida State is one of the top five teams right now, according to the betting angle. Um, for Futures Place to win it all because they're coming back with a very good lineup. Tony Bennett, I'm not counting out Virginia. Georgia Tech just won the thing. I don't think North Carolina is a team that I can say is going to go fully in the tank, but it depends on what your idea of fully in the tank is. In three, four years, can Davis turn this around and still be a competitive team? Sure, absolutely. But for the next year or two, would it shock me if Carolina missed the tournament? No, it wouldn't at all, Tim. I, I think they're going to take a quick step back here. I think of what the consensus was originally was, like you said it best, they love Hubert Davis as a person, right? Well-regarded, well-liked out there in that area. And, of course, he should be. He's been there, played there, he stayed there, he coached there now under, under Williams. And I think what they were worried about was if they went outside and brought somebody else in, that they would lose the, the kids that they had. And we saw Carolina in the second half of the year kind of start to gel together, Tom, as, long, as well as bringing in a nice recruiting class as well. I think they were really worried about that affecting uh, what they had right now. And I will tell you this, from a betting angle, I asked Andy Bagwell, I said, Andy, you, you know him. Um, he actually was, uh, was uh, uh, hallmates with him. So he went to school with him. He knew him. Uh, he told, told a great story uh, on uh, Sports Garden Network. You guys could go check it out. Wagering Week. I don't want to give too much away. Go check out the podcast. It's Wagering Week. You guys can go check it out. Subscribe, like, and everything else. But Andy Bagwell tells a story about drinking beers and partying and whatnot, and Hubert Davis kind of being on the hall with him. It gives a good insight to the guy's character. But, and I, you know, I, I basically said to him, okay, look, you know this guy. 
okay, so here's your betting angle. I said, what's he going to run? Right? I mean, what, what, what kind of offense is he basically run? And he said, expect the same thing. He wants to run. He wants a gun. He wants to score big time. He's going to, to be the same sort of offense that Roy Williams had with North Carolina is going to put up some points. And they're going to put up some points consistently. So, you know how we talk about UNLV all the time and say, we, you know, there's no overriding theme of what they are. North Carolina, we know. What is North Carolina? Big offense, big time scoring. Here we go. Basically, the insight that I'm getting from, and, and it wasn't just Andy Bagwell, but from uh, multiple people, uh, they, Hubert Davis is expected to run the same sort of fast-paced score, run-up-the-score kind of offense. Texas always will be a football school, Tom, and Shaka Smart, first train out of there. Now he's over at Marquette. Chris Beard leaves Texas Tech. He goes over to Texas. A lot of upset people there in Red Raider country. Chris Beard won 12 and 55 at Texas Tech. Chris Beard also, Tommy, as you know, former coach at UNLV where he was 0 and 0, but the change there, so they go smart to Beard. Where do you see Texas in the next few years? I still worry about them. Look, first of all, I think this still matters. They're a football school, Tim, right? I know they have not a lot of success there, but aren't they a football school? Yes. I mean, that has to matter. But who is their ex coach there, Tim? Where? At Texas. The one that just left? Who just left? Shaka Smart. All right. I think I could do better than Shaka Smart. <laughs> right? I mean, I wanted you to say the name because I'm, I'm constantly bashing the guy. But that's reality. Did he get fired? Eh, not really. But Look, I think it's a better thing. You, you're bringing in a better coach. I never believed. In smart, I never believed in him, uh, even at VCU. I thought he did a good job for what he had. Got a little overrated. But you're going down to Texas. Now, all of a sudden, you're going down to Texas, and you're recruiting for a football school. You're recruiting against teams that Baylor just won a championship. They're getting at that number one recruit. Kansas is going to get that number one recruit against you. I mean, there are just teams that you're going to walk into a living room, and you don't even have a chance down there. So I think Texas is going to be another one of these these programs that they might have a small bump up this year um but texas for the foreseeable future for me for the next when i say foreseeable future three four five years that i could speculate here i don't see them as a final four team tim i don't see them as an elite eight team i think they're kind of in that middle ground where if they get one good year they get real hot maybe they meet a sweet make a sweet 16 but i'm not sure what i do know is that i think they have a better coach than they just had there even though the guy didn't kind of get thrown out of town, I thought he should have last year. But Indiana, you know, one of the most coveted jobs, college basketball, you would assume just based on history, but they really hadn't have a good run after Sampson left. Tom Crean comes in, then they go to Archie Miller. Um, so it didn't work out. They bring in Mike Woodson, NBA assistant for basically his after his playing career. He's been an NBA guy, no college experience there. Your thoughts on Indiana? You know, I like this Indiana team. I just saw the odds are one fifty to one for them uh, for next year. I, I kind of like them a little bit. I like the players that they're bringing back. I think it's a winnable conference, even though I say that with a little hesitation. It, it's it's hard to bet on a first year coach, but if I was going to bet on a first year coach, I want good odds. They're giving me good odds. And I want real good players on this team. 
we got to watch the transfer portal, who's going to be leaving and who's not. And I don't think they will. I think they put together a good team. This is a team that I'm going to be t- keeping an eye on over the next couple of months here. I'm going to be keeping an eye on it. If I could get it at that kind of value, I'll take a stab, Tim, at them. I think that not only are they a tournament team next year, but they, they could win some games in the tournament. He's also got that, that way to recruiting that he – he knows what the NBA is looking for, right, Tom? He can bring that into the homes. Yeah, that helps. And that, that's something that helps with Hubert Davis as well. That when I, you know, when I was talking about North Carolina, like, look, play in the NBA. I know what you need to, to take it to the next step. And that it certainly does help. Look, in Indiana, you shouldn't need to recruit, but they haven't been good in a long time. You're going to have to do some recruiting. And that's the thing. We talk about coaches all the time, uh, you know, X's and O's. The basketball coach, X's and O's, is one of the least important skills. It is people skills. It is dealing with youngster skills. And, man, oh, man, is it recruiting. And I think Calipari proves that every year, right? Go out and recruit. Indiana's got to get on that trail and start dangling something. And you're right. Maybe the NBA nugget there is something to dangle. This next opening, and it's the legit the, the big opening left at the University of Arizona, Sean Miller, gone, and there were a lot of obvious NCAA sanctions and ramifications sticking their ugly head around the program. But he finally goes, Tom, and, and this, uh, they're doing the search right now for the head coach. This is a top-tier job when you're looking at college basketball. Probably one of the, obviously UCLA is going to be there on the West Coast, but Arizona is right there in the mix. Interesting to see which route they go, because They've interviewed three former NBA players who played at Arizona, just like North Carolina, right, Tom? Just like Mike Woodson over at Indiana. But they also have Tommy Lloyd, who was Mark Hughes' top assistant at Gonzaga in the mix. So which way direction they go here, it's going to be very interesting. I think they're going to stick with the Arizona connection, but I like thinking outside the box. I like bringing in a guy that you know is, is standing next to, next to few for a, a, just the most miraculous run of that kind of school and looking at this and saying, okay, you know what, look at what we can bring to this. That's an interesting scenario for me, but I think they're going to stick with Arizona. Tim, I want to ask you one question, because I, I haven't been able to talk to somebody about this um, that knows their college basketball uh, like you do, and I, I want to get your take on this. Bill Self, immediately after Roy Williams retires, Bill Self gets signed to like basically a lifetime contract, right? Yeah. Bill Self is in the middle of two different investigations into his program. And Kansas said, we don't care. We're just giving you the money. They didn't get a lot of national attention. Not a lot of people raised eyebrows. I certainly did. Now, Bill Self to me, look, I like him. Okay. I think he's uh, at times a little underrated, to be honest with you, um, on, on the grand scale of things. But I thought that this was absolutely jumping the gun. And I was a little taken back by the timing of it with, what exactly is going on right now? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it was a matter of that because he's so liked. You talk about Roy Williams and, and the love that University of Kansas had for him. I think Bill Self surpassed that. And, and I know that Roy Williams was more successful, but they love Bill Self out there. And I don't think they wanted to see have it be a chance, especially with all these schools opening up jobs that – that literally it could happen just in the blink of an eye. I think it was more of a, we don't want to have to go through this search. We might as well lock him up. We like him. He's successful here. I mean, the guy's, he's won 700 games. You know, he's, he's a winner. So 
it may have had just more to do with making sure he doesn't leave, Tom. Yeah, I, I guess. I look at a guy, you know, what is he, about 60 years old. You know, 60 years old, closing in. You might get a two-year ban here for Kansas. I, I just thought it was weird timing. Just very strange timing. And it looked like they were a re- reactionary to the Roy Williams thing. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. But, I, you know, I don't see that program for whatever reason. And maybe it's because I'm just that's just the way I think. I don't see them getting hit too hard. And they'll, they'll, they'll like the Dukes, right, Tom? They'll find a way to, to back out of any type of major sanction. All right, so that, that's the question. That's the final question I asked Andy Bagwell. Um, I said, you know, I know that you hate Duke. Literally wrote a book about it. <laughs> but how long do you think Coach K stays for? And it's a question that I've been asking since I lived in North Carolina. And I, I lived in North Carolina like 10 years ago, Tim, right? And the speculation was who's going to be the next guy, who's going to come in and take you know, the job from Coach K. And it's a decade later. Roy Williams is gone. Um, you can't expect Coach K to stick around much longer at this point. I'm looking at Coach K, and I'm saying, I don't think that this year is his last year, because I don't think he wants to go out after a pandemic and all that stuff. Um, but you got to look at Coach K, and you got to say, this guy is getting up there in age, right? I mean, this is what he is. He's getting up there. He's going to be 75 years old. There's no way I see him making it to 80. I don't know if I see him making it two more years. I think he's got about two years left, Tim. What do you do? You think that Coach K tries to push it and get it to maybe seventy-five, eight? I mean, maybe eighty years old? No, I think honestly, I feel like this will be his last year, and he'll retire at seventy-five, Tom. And I think you'll see either uh, Wojo or Johnny Dawkins come in and take over that program. Yeah, that, it makes sense. It makes sense, but now with the Roy Williams things, just imagine a world college basketball table where we don't have Roy Williams or Coach K in North Carolina. It's going to be weird. It's going to be very strange. What about a world without Lon Kruger as a, as a head man? He, he retires from Oklahoma, coming out west to, uh, you know, he's going to help his son out here, obviously. Kevin Kruger, the new head coach, he'll be, he'll be involved there. But Porter Moser, the hot name for the last, what, three, four years, he's the new guy at Oklahoma. Uh, couldn't have, couldn't have happened to a better guy. I mean, I'm a big Porter Moser fan. I think the guy, I, I always believe that if you could coach at a lower level, if you could recruit at that lower level and you could have success against the big boys, you could go into a bigger job and have some success. Now, certain guys, you know, they, they're they a little overrated. I think we realize that Porter Moser is not overrated, right? He is uh, the real deal. He takes over an Oklahoma program, which will have a hard time recruiting uh, with the same situation that I just talked about. Baylor just won it. Kansas is Kansas. Uh, now Texas got their new man. They got that. It's going to be tough to recruit down there, but I, I think that Oklahoma becomes a massive, massive threat. If you're giving me a list right now of where they are today, not careers-wise and whatnot, I'm not sure I'm taking another coach in the country. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm taking anybody. Maybe Mark Few, maybe. But right now, I may take Porter Moser over everybody in the country. He's at least top five. You get a top five coach, all of a sudden, he's going to go, wait a minute, this is how you can recruit? I I don't have to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel here? I can actually walk and get five-star recruits? I think Oklahoma becomes a dangerous, dangerous team, and as soon as next year. 
I'm looking at futures plays and going, hey, I might jump on this Oklahoma team now just because. Tommy, you probably know more about the Mountain West than anybody living on the East Coast just because of the affiliation here. And we saw, obviously, Kevin Kruger coming at UNLV. We see Tim Miles will take the job at San Jose State. But they do lose a good coach in Craig Smith. He leaves Utah State, who battled San Diego State here in the last four years for the rights to that conference. He moves over to Utah, take over a Pac-12 school, and it just kind of goes, again, you know, when I see things like this happen, it just it, it upsets me no other that, look, I'm giving Kevin Kruger his due, and I'll let him do what he needs to do. I like the hire as far as the uh, the aesthetics behind it, but if you could have told me we would have had a chance at Craig Smith, I would have rather have had him, and it, it kind of pisses me off to tell you the truth. There's a lot of guys that slip through the fingers of UNLV, and for no other reason than, you know what, they just slip through. I, I mean, they, who are you going to blame here? Are you blaming the administration? Yeah, maybe you blame the administration a little bit. Maybe it's just a matter of they didn't want to come there. I think that this comes more to what I was telling you, Tim, the, the grips of, you know, you have to come to grips of exactly who UNLV is. And what UNLV is not what they have been. It's not what they perceive to be. You're right, getting that coach. And I like Kruger. I think that this was a, a one of the few hires that I agree with. But it's also because my expectations at UNLV are where they're supposed to be. I'm not talking about Patino, right? I'm talking about Kruger. And there's a massive difference there. You're talking about Smith. I get it. I understand where your mind is. I understand you being annoyed and angry about it. I'm not blaming you for that. Um, I just think that you have to look at what UNLV is. And right now, UNLV is a program that is just completely and utterly, it, it's, they don't want to touch it. Nobody wants to go near it. Can stay away from it because of what has happened for the last 20 years plus. Well, it's no doubt it's the administration. Is, is their athletic director no idea what she's doing, which is my personal opinion, but I've been proven right on that. And, uh, you know, we just talked about Tommy Lloyd interviewing with Arizona, Tom. His name wasn't even in the discussion at UNLV. And, and whether he would have come here or not, right, obviously you're right that these guys, maybe they just don't want to play under a clown show. I, I get it. Or coach under a clown show. The fact that his name's not even in a mix, and you're talking about bringing in guys with no head coaching experience. You know, this guy's just like Hubert Davis. He's been with Mark Few forever. So it's either take the job at Gonzaga when Few leaves, which he may not do now, or go somewhere and, and cut your teeth. But his name wasn't even in, in, in the discussion at UNLV, Tommy. Well, and that's the problem. I mean, there's no forward thinking, outside thinking. You know, North Carolina sticking with their own kind of guys. Well, that makes sense. North Carolina's got championships, right? I mean, they got titles. They're constantly in the conversation for the Final Four. I mean, they're there. You don't have to stick with your guys and only your short list when you've had no success for a decade. And UNLV has had no success for more than a decade now. None. None. No success, Tim. And if you have no success, no championships, and as a matter of fact, it's gone downhill since basically the last decade or so, or just, uh, just short of a decade. It's gone downhill consistently every year. Why are you sticking with your guys? What you're doing is you're saying, you know what? We keep losing. Let's make the guys and make a short list of guys that we keep losing with, as opposed to, like you said, a UNLV that says, you know what? Here we go. We're winners. We want to stick with the Blue Bloods. Or Oklahoma that said, you know what? Look, it's not an Oklahoma type. He's the best guy out there. UNLV, no, they're, they're, there's just no forward thinking. They're not, they're not on that same wavelength. They want guys that will just tow the company line. 
Well, Tommy, a huge day in baseball tomorrow. We got a great matchup I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. Granke versus Casey Mize. That should be a nice one. Uh, I know you're going to have some action available up over on the website. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Go check it out. It's TomBartonSports.com. Like I said, absolutely crushing hockey this year. 24-8. and eight. You guys can check the numbers. Crushing hockey this year. But baseball, oh, we're in full swing. Have the Yankees today. It's TomBartonSports.com. Go check it out. Sign up. You get a full month for less than $100. It's TomBartonSports.com. And over this week at Sports Garden, who do we have in? You said Bagwell. You got any other guests? Yeah, Andy Bagwell's a good choice. That's a pretty good one. We're going to have Dave Parker on this week. Uh, okay. Dave Parker, you know, you guys remember him. And Jay Paris, who wrote the Shohei Otani book. Uh, we're going to have him on. I want to talk about Otani. And Joe DeLeon. Joe DeLeon covers uh, FCS. Two years ago, we talked to him about Trey Lance. And he basically was, was, was drooling on the microphone about this kid's upside. I want to talk to Joe now. He's an FCS long snapper. And he plays center. I want to hear from him. You know what? How good is really Trey Lance? So we're going to have that on the Sports Garden Network show. Tommy, you're the best in the business, my friend. Have a great week. We'll talk to you Saturday night. All right. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. Heart is pacing, everything I want to taste it, I embrace it Gotta have the patience, dedication, never leave a moment waste for chasing greatness I think it's kind of funny that they slept on me Here's a couple things Tom Barton, I'm Tim Ongo, we have a great, like I said, no great sports week We'll talk to you Saturday night, 10 o'clock, right here, only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 9 FM, 1340 AM Good night